This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to That Millwall Podcast. Uh, Today we have a Who Are You? We're joined by a brand new guest, Leon. Leon, how are you? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me on. No, more more than welcome. We you know we we always say here that it's nice to to meet the fans and and sometimes hear the stories of people that we never really would get the opportunity to speak to. Um, as always, <clears throat> this will uh, this is going out on YouTube. It'll go out on all sort of uh, podcast providers, Spotify, Apple Music, things like that. Uh, Leon, let's get let's get straight into it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so. I'm a little bit of a, a weird supporter in as much that I live in China. Um, so getting to games has been difficult. That said, um, I'm a South East London boy through and through, fourth generation Millwall fan. Uh, I've been going to the Den reputedly since 1964, um, 61 years of age. Uh, mum, Mum's family's from Rotherhive from uh, Redriff Road, Dad's family's from Peckham, Camberwell. So both sides of the family, Millwall. Um, personally, born and bred, bred in Catford. Um, and uh, my dad's family later moved out to Downham. Um, been overseas for a long, number of years, but kept my season ticket going. Um, okay. All the time I've been overseas. Um, been back, come back three or four times a year. Uh, actually, my wife and kids live in the UK. Um, during COVID, they had to get up and leave China because of what was going on. Um, so I was last back for the Sheffield United game where we won 3-2. So I try and get back as much as I can. It's interesting. I, obviously, I'd pre you pre told me that you were you were based out in China, so I knew obviously that that was coming. I didn't expect you to say that you kept up your season ticket though. That's that's quite the the commitment. I'm assuming do does a uh, do your family do your friends use that when when you're not available to go to games, or, or is it just purely just for you as and when you're back in the UK? I try to let them use it, but with <laughs> the by the card and all that, it's a little bit difficult. But mm-hmm. the family still go. Uh, block 32 um, and look you know over the years I've been overseas it's really come back to help because look it, you know for some people 300 or quid or whatever is a lot of money and it is a lot of money um, but you know if I look back I've had you know playoff finals where I've managed to get tickets cup finals you know etc 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 so um, it's paid off to keep keep playing the club and I'm proud to do it. So, yeah, no, I'm happy that I'm still a season ticket holder, even though I don't get to use it that much. But no, that's that's the thing. I think, as you say, the success that we've had 
recently with with getting to Wembley obviously having that ticket and and making those plans it does make things a lot easier especially if you're looking to on some of the days some people like to you know fight sit in a certain spot or, or have the opportunity to choose where they sit rather than just be left with with what's left over so you know it's probably a, a, a good thing um <clears throat> you um you said that obviously both sides of your family are Millwall supporters. I'm guessing you didn't really have much of a choice growing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was it was a time, a funny time actually. Friend's dad took me to Paris, right. and uh, yeah, that didn't go well when I came home, and the old man f- found out about it. Um, and they were in the same division as us at the time, so it was like there was nothing gained. Uh, so I went to Selhurst Park and sat in the arf or whatever it is called stand but the, honestly the banter at Millwall you know people ask me why I'm a Millwall fan honestly days out there especially when you live overseas it's the banter I miss it's you know and over many many decades it's just the banter it's it's hilarious you know you look around you you, you see all kinds of people predominantly working class, which I am. Um, I just love the banter. That, that's the biggest thing I miss. I think it's it's certainly something, isn't it, that's a draw to, and that's why once you find that love of the club, you, you're drawn to it. You, you you can never really step away from it. It stays with you wherever you go. And, and as you say, the people, the, you know, obviously supporters sometimes have, you get the rough end of the stick with with reputation, yeah. but the majority of the people that you come across or you meet through the club are fantastic people. They do anything for anyone, and and as you say, that the banter and the kind of wit from from all supporters is it is is second to none. It, it's it's a very important aspect of of a match day. Um, you, I think correct me if I'm wrong here. I think you said it was your your first game was it in six? Did you say sixty four? Yeah, so I don't remember it, right? So I'll give you a bit of history here. So back in 64 at the old den, um, the ground, the, the uh, Greyhound track and the Speedway track were still open, which adjoined, which is on what you would call Jews Hill. My mum's brother was a Speedway rider for, uh, they were called New Cross Rangers. So Saturdays, and look, I'm going by what I've been told because I can't remember it. I was born in 62, but I, I'm led to believe I was saying to my first game in 64. And then what my dad would do, would uh, mum and dad would do, would either go and watch the Greyhounds or go and watch the Speedway after the Millwall game because they started straight <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. So at the end of the Ilderton Road end, you could walk through to the old stadium, uh, to the old Greyhound Speedway track. My first recollection of a game is actually in 67. um, And that would have been Cholton at home. And I think we drew nil-nil. That's the first time I, you know, recall speaking to my dad about a game. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm led to believe I went a couple of years earlier than that, quite a few times. And what was your obviously from what you can remember? What was your sort of memories of going to the to the old den, going to games, or and your impressions of it? Well, we lived in Catford, so we used to get. But Dad didn't drive in those days, so we used to get the thirty six B to New Cross and cut through the back, up through 
Monson Road into the old Coblo Lane. Um, the smell, you know, there was just a, a distinctive smell. I mean, everyone smoked in those days. Um, my my mum's, uh, dad's family were dockers, rough as you like, funny as you like, you know, a few pints in the Hatcham Arms or whatever. Um, and then we used to sit by the corner of the CBL and there was the, the big floodlight there. And I, they used to prop me up on the floodlight. Um, just the whole ambience of the ground. I mean, the toilets didn't have a, didn't have a roof on it, right? So, you know, in winter as a kid, I can remember freezing my nuts off. Um, stood literally in ankles of you-know-what. Um, and, you know, just, just, you know, fellas, hard as you like, hard as nails, working as hard as they like, um, just, just, just felt part of it, you know, the smells, the guy coming round, um, selling the monkey nuts, I think, I think they used to call him the Greek or something, um, hot cup of Bovril, my dad used to buy me, um, I'd, and, and you came up the steps and the noise, um, and then I'd be either sitting on, like say, the, uh, the floodlight, big concrete floodlight that you'll see in the photos. Um, or I'd be on one of the stanchions, you know, stop people, crowd rushing. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, as I got older, I was allowed to look, you know, kind of walk around a little bit. Um, you know, I think really in the 60s and 70s, I saw the good and bad of Millwall. When I first started going, I saw the very good because we went 57 games unbeaten. Um, and then in 71, we nearly got promoted, of course. So I saw the good and the bad of Millwall. I saw them go, go through the divisions. But the biggest memory for me, mate, is when I was at school. So I went to Sedgill School, which is in Bellingham or Catford. Um, was everyone supported Man United or Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever? You know, and I stood out as being Millwall. And I always remember having to stay on my ground. You know, uh, even in South East London, you know, so fun times. And I look back at them and I say about the smell, I can still smell it. Even even the pee, you know, in the uh, open air toilets, it's still there with you. It's interesting because obviously <clears throat> you have a distinct memory of, of the old ground, you know, where you used to sit, the smell, the feel, the noise. Comparing it to when we moved to the den i don't like to refer to it as the new den it was new it's it's not new anymore it, you know it's 30 years now <clears throat> do you like the, the 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 ground do you have the same sense of uh, of of recollection of memories of when you first went what what are your thoughts on the ground now so when we moved in 93 i know you know cuz at the last game i think bristol rovers and we got we got tonked and um, I remember tearing out a bit of grass, you know, the first time the old man let me run on the ground, even though I was, um, by then I was in my late teens. Um, and that bit of grass is still in Ashford in Kent somewhere. Um, but I actually was so excited about the new den because I, well, it's not the new den now, but the den now, it was a wow factor for me. So when we played our first game there, in the pre-season friendly against um, Bobby Robson's team from Portugal. Um, I, 
Yeah, I, I sat in the, what, what is now the well, always been the away end. And I remember sitting there with my dad and my uncles and we'd come up the concourse and all the bars were open. And I was like, wow, wow. And, and to be fair, it still has that wow factor for me. So I've kind of mentally parked the old den in my childhood memories. But I loved, I loved the den. I loved the den. It's got, it's it over the years. It's built its own character and characteristics. You know, you still come through that railway arch, which is the same as you used to do at the old den, depending on which way you came in. Yeah. So it's got a lot of. It's still got that community feel. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard some of your podcasts about filling the corners in and stuff like that. I've got my own views on that, which, you know, if you want to ask me, I'm happy to ask. But I love I love the den. I think it's I think it's really quite unique. Still an old style football ground mm. in a modern era. I think it's interesting because I've been asked this question a lot. I've, I've spoken about it a lot. I think. If you take or add to the, take away from the den or add to the den different things, it it would lose what the den is. I yep. think that maybe one day there will be changes. The the changes, as I said, as I have said, I would always maybe like the the two corners filled in at the home end, not all the way round. But I think, like you said, there's it's old school. It has that the characteristics of an old school football ground. I mentioned in one of mine a little while ago, a Sunderland fan who come to the Den this year, they hadn't been before. And because they're used to that bowl shape at the Stadium of Light, it's all yeah. enclosed. They they loved it. They absolutely loved it. It was an old school football ground. It was a good game as well. It's sort of an old school game of football, which I think helped. But I think you're right. The Den is... The den is is it is what it is, and 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 we make it what it is, and I think you're you're right in the sense of there's you still have that buzz and the memories when you go into the ground. It still hits you sometimes, especially in the big games. It still hits you, as it as it did perhaps um, years gone years gone by. I think you, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say I I got a good friend out here who's a Rangers fan and. Ironically, I'm led to believe that the same architects that designed the modern Ibrox designed the den. And if you look at Ibrox, um, it's three tiers. So it's three tiers of what we have, um, but the corners are open. I'm not sure if with Ibrox now all the corners are open, but apparently it was the same same architects. And you know, if someone wants to go online and say you're absolutely wrong, that's fine. But that's what I've been led to believe. And it's just got character. And, and, and the character being that, you know, the old ground was cold below lane. It That wind used to blow through. And the wind at the den still blows through on those nights. You feel it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you lost that, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think you'd lose some of the ambience. And... Um, for me, I, I still love it. And we've not outgrown it, right? So, you know, I know we've been filling the ground recently, 18,500. Um, you know, if we added, you know, for me, if they're going to do something, make the lower tier of the CBL standing to get the attendances up, that would make mm -hmm. sense. Um, but 
please, please don't don't touch it too much. It it it's our home, and it feels like home. Absolutely. I, I look. I think there's a lot of a lot's been made up because there was the renewal. Lewisham Council, a lot of a lot of talk about that, and I think there's been a lot of design work gone round and concept art and, and things. And I think if they're going to, one day there will inevitably be changes. We all know that, but you don't want to change too much from what it is. There's there's little tweaks that can happen, but I think as long as they don't come too far away from it, then I, I suspect we'll we'll be okay, and things should be should remain very similar. I think you touched on you, 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 your season ticket is in block 32 in, in the new ground. Has it always been there? Has that always been your... I know you said your first game was in the away end, but have you always had your season ticket there? No, it was 30 It was thirty at first, I think, for the first couple of seasons. And then we sort of worked our way out as a family to work out that we wanted to be closer to the centre line. So we're, we're slightly to the right of Rowett's dugout. Um so it, you know, it, it kind of just progressed over the first. I'm not sure if it was after the first season. I think personally, I think it was after the second season, uh, and then those seats have kind of been kept. Um, but you know, all the people around. You know, I don't go there for month after month. Sometimes, you know, during COVID, obviously I didn't go there at all. Um, but the people are still the same, right? Um, you lose one. You lose one once in a while, which is really sad. Like my dad's gone now. He's got a plaque in the stadium. Um, but, you know, generally the people are the same. Um, and you find, I think you find your own comfort zone, um, you know. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a great view from there. Um, I've sat a couple of times up in the top. I've been in a couple of boxes over the years and, you know, just for me, it just never felt the same. I just think it's comfort zone. Absolutely. I think people, once you find your spot, it's certainly, once you find, as you say, home, you, you yeah. tend to stay there. I mean, I've been in my, I'm in block 10, right behind the goal in line with the penalty spot. And we, I've been up there for 12 years, 13 years. We stopped, we were below. But once you find it, you and as you say, the people, they get a little bit older. Each year, the, the faces get a little bit older, or like myself, sometimes a little bit of grey hair comes through. But um, the people stay the same, as you say. You recognise people, and you don't always know their name, but you might you know the sort of nod at them. You know, you're right, or are you doing sort of thing? And 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 as you say, that that never ever changes. Um, coming away from the ground, moving towards players and, and managers. Now we'll start from sort of, sort of in in the past. You've obviously been following the club for, for quite a long time, so you've built up quite a few players that you've perhaps seen over the years. If I could press you down for your favourite player of all time, and due to the fact that you possibly have maybe maybe a few that it's hard to choose from, a couple of honourable mentions if you choose. Yeah, this was this was a really tough one. And I watched last week's podcast and, uh, you know, a guy that was probably just a couple of years older than me, so we obviously watched the same sort of era of football. Mm. Um, you know, he mentioned Keith Weller um, has to has to have a mention. You know, sad for you that you never saw him to grace those blades of grass. But Keith Weller was outstanding. Um, something we could use with today for sure. Um, Derek Potty was mentioned last week, I think, as well. Um, 
Well, I look at that team in 71. Uh, it was an all-round team. A um, couple of superstars, as I've just mentioned. Um, so I know this guy. I've met this guy a few times. Um, for me, the most intelligent player we've ever had, probably, you know, gets a lot of crap, as was mentioned. It's got to be Teddy. Um, just for the fact that he went out on loan, he was discarded by a couple of managers. I believe he was up in low, out on loan in Sweden for a time. We took him back from Aldershot of all places. And he was always deemed to be too slow. Um, that tie-up with Cascarino, you could just see this guy's brain works like a snooker player. He was thinking three, four balls ahead every time. So Teddy would get it. There's so many more I can mention. I mean, as a kid, Barry Kitchener, look, there's two players, right, that have stands named over after them. And that's for a reason. Harry Cripps has a bar, the Kitchener stand. You know, I, you know, as a kid, I got to meet both of them. They were both gentle giants off the field, just gladiators on it. Um, Kitchener could have gone on. I know there was, you know, it's pretty true I, from what I believe that Manchester United wanted to sign him. Um, he was a one club man. You know, it's so difficult to pick. But you've put me on the spot. <laughs> I'm going to go with Teddy. I think there's a lot of fans. I mean, I, I, I go on what, what my, my dad said. Um, and it, it, Teddy Teddy is Teddy. He he was similar to what you said there about him being ahead of three or four sort of passes ahead of what everybody else was. This is, that's how everybody describes Teddy. And and for someone, for if everybody can see that, I think everybody, you know, knew how good of a player he was. Obviously, I never got to see him in a Millwall shirt. I saw him later on in his career, you know, at other clubs perhaps. But everywhere he went, you know, most places think he's held in quite high regard. And I think that says a lot about how good he was. Yeah, um, it, look, he had no pace, right? So that's mm. why the brain came in. Mm. So, you know, he would, Cass would, Cass would take a long ball. You know, we have always been pretty much known as, you know, a long ball team, but Cass would take the ball. Sheringham would, would, would just read the pass and no pace. I mean, zero pace. So I watched him for England. In, I happened to go to Japan and watch England beat Argentina in Japan. He had a brilliant game against Argentina. Um, I had to watch him play for Spurs a couple of times and United once. Um, the guy was, the guy had a brain, a real brain. Something, unfortunately, we probably don't have today. Um, so that brain made up for the speed. That's that's where I'm going with this. And you've yeah. probably heard that umpteen times. No, the thing is, I think for a club like ours, there's always going to be your top tier, your top tier players, you know, your Sheringhams, your um, Kitcheners, your Crips. Later, sort of more recent times, your Neil Harris's. They're, they're people that everybody can, can relate to in some kind of way or have memories of. And I think it's very difficult 
And Teddy was the, the record goal scorer for such a long time. He was a part of a successful team. As much as people might give the same answers, they, people still say things that you've never heard before. And But there's always that. It always comes back to the brain and, and, the, and the ability. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a lot made about pace and there's a lot made about power. But sometimes if you've got it up here, you're ahead of people already before you walk out onto the pitch. He was a he was a footballing snooker player. Um, he just knew how to read the ball, how to read being marked, how to make himself that one yard of space that he didn't have in pace. Um, and his finishing, his touch, whether it's with the foot or with the head, incredible. I, I I don't think that we'll see a player like him ever again because those players don't exist. The no. games become the games become. You know, I, I keep arguing with people. The game's become more about athletes and the football comes secondary. And that's one of the problems I have with some of the team that we have today is that physically, uh, as athletes, they're great athletes. Um, but in terms of football skills and brain and knowledge, went slow it down, went fast it up. You know, went to take a breather, went to push on, went to pull back. Some of those things for me in the modern game are lack, lacking. Teddy could do all that. He could read a game. He could know, could know when to. He could know when to burn himself out and when he could take a breather. Mm. Um, and I don't know, just just a very very intelligent, very intelligent football player. And moving on to uh, manager, obviously again probably seen a fair few and, and, and had some good times, as you say, back in the early part of supporting the club and, and, and more recently as well. Who would you say is, is your favourite favourite manager? Ooh, yeah, and this one killed me. Um, so, look, we got, we got promoted in 87. Um, John Doherty took all of the plaudits for that, and quite rightly so. Um, but I've got to go back three years before that when we were we needed to win 13 games away. Sorry, 13 games to stay up. We ended up winning at Chesterfield last game of the season. I was there. Um, George Graham came into that club. We were on our feet. We'd had George Pepe as manager. Or, sorry, George Pecci and then Peter Anderson. And the club was in total, total mess. Graham came in. One of the first things he did was, you know, he's a Scotsman. He was regimented. He'd had a high career at, at Arsenal, hard as nails. First thing he did was he asked, uh, I believe it was Purcell as the, the chairman, he said, these guys have got to start wearing blazers and slacks. They've got to wear the crest on their blazers. I don't want any of this turning up in tracks for game days. He just changed the whole mentality. Yeah. He then got us, you know, he, he saved us from going down. And then the next season he started signing. Um, and he brought in players that were key to the 87 promotion, in my view, in my humble opinion. He set the bedrock. John Doherty executed it. Um, so he brought in players like Riley, 
we were at Faction at the time and a few others. Um, sorry, I'm being long-winded about my That's answer, right. but I really want to give George Graham some kudos to what happened later. But, you know, if you look on paper, you have to say John Doherty. Um, then going forward, you know, you, you look at the likes of Kenny J and Neil, they both took the club over when it was on its knees again and turned it around. Um, but on paper, you know, like any Mill fan, because of what we did in the space of two years, it's got to be John D. And and the next couple, I always I always find these interesting because it's it's very difficult to. I mean, I, myself. Anyone that puts on a Millwall shirt, you want them to do well. Sometimes you know that it's not going to happen. You can just see it a mile off, but you do, you're willing them to do well. We've had a few, um, shall we say, shoppers over the years, and um, we've we've also come up against some some bad players or have had bad performances against us. So so over the years, who would you who would you, who would you categorise as probably one of the worst players that you've seen play for the club, and perhaps worst player you've seen play at the Den? Now, that answer can be the same. It doesn't have to be different, but there's been a couple of, of away or, or, or rival clubs who have had some terrible players as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, there's the obvious, right? And it's been mentioned because you ask this question quite a lot, but Taylor Fletcher was, was up there. Um, Pat Cuff comes out as well, which was free, free, woeful uh, as a goalkeeper. I mean, if you've ever seen someone put a ball in his own net as much and Long didn't do himself any favours yesterday in my view um, Akim Femoir, when we signed Akim Femoir, I was down the den and he ran out and I was like that can't be a football player, it's got to be one of the stewards who's decided to put a kit on um, I mean look to be fair to Akim Femoir, right he's had a, he's had a glorious career at Wickham um, he just didn't look like a footballer to me and he actually didn't do us any favours. Um, it, it, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I've seen seen a lot of players in Wayside's bottle at the Den. One of them, actually, was Ian Holloway. Um, I remember when he was playing for QPR and he came down the Den and he went to take the throw on and someone was tugging at his shirt at the old Den and he, he just didn't know what to do. Um, but um, no, I, I wouldn't like to say. I, as a Millwall player, I was never fond of Nicky Coleman back in the day. Perhaps that's a little bit unfair, but Pat Cuff, Millwall, definitely. And um, moving it on to uh, some, some memories, again, of, of games, moments. Very, very tricky, I would imagine, not seeing this, that you've seen them in the top flight, cup finals, Europe, you know, there's been a lot of games. What would you say is possibly your most memorable match that involves Millwall? I have two. Um, well, I actually have more than that, but two I'm going to mention. Bournemouth away, April. Um, we had two games left. We were top of the league. Uh, we went away to Bournemouth. I was there. Um, Kevin O'Callaghan scored a penalty. Then Herlock scored a weldie, an absolute weldie. Um, Reading pulled one, uh, sorry, Bournemouth pulled one back. And then Brian Hall saved 
a penalty. And then we went away to Hull, uh, I think two weeks later, and secured the championship. So Bournemouth, Bournemouth away was just one hell of a night. I mean, we drove, I remember finishing work at like 12 o'clock, driving down the M3, and it was just a party. It was an absolute party. Um, and the performance, it, it, it had everything about it that yesterday should have had about it. Mm. We had to win. We had to go there. And every player had to turn up. And they did. Mm. That's the difference. For the benefit of the of when this goes out, we're recording this uh, just after the uh, defeat at Wigan. Um, yeah. Famine defeat at, at Wigan. And, and obviously what Leon's referring to is that the players perhaps didn't... Um, show enough desire or didn't show any desire really to to to, to want to, to get themselves into the top six but obviously at that game years gone by perhaps they could have been watching videos or old clips of that because as you, as you said they they all stood up and were counted for there unbelievable that night unbelievable it was a midweek game we only got well we got one end it was an open end you can look it up look it up on youtube herlock's goal unbelievable for for herlock um, who I love as a man and a player. Um, just everyone turned up on the night and then horny to save a penalty um, to stop it going 2-2. With two minutes to go, it's up there. And what was your second? What was your other game? Oh, Hull City away when we won it. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, following on from, you know, Winning the promotion at Hull, I'm assuming would that would that be perhaps your favourite ever Millwall moment? Is that is that the one? I think it has to be. I mean, you know, it was just an amazing feeling. I mean, we we went up there mob-handed. I mean, it was thousands upon thousands of people driving up there. It wasn't the greatest of games, you know, and we won with an O'Callaghan penalty, but. Even the whole fans were clapping, the Millwall fans. It was such an achievement. But then driving back from Hull across the Humber Bridge, um, I had a I had a company car back in those days at Ford Orion. And you now we had some roof, like one of those plastic things that bulged back. You know, and I remember my dad, who's no longer with us, God rest his soul, and my uncle sitting out of the sunroof <laughs> and every car going across the Humber Bridge, had a blue and white scarf, all the way down the A1. Uh, it was just, and then we got back, um, not sure what time we got back, maybe nine o'clock, and we headed to, uh, my dad used to drink in a working men's club in Bromley, and um, we ramped up there, and uh, you know, everyone in there was Millwall pretty much, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, humongous brilliant absolutely brilliant and i guess it's one of those things isn't it because it's the only time that that's that's ever happened for those fortunate enough like yourself to be able to experience that those kind of things you know people like myself when i hear people talk about it, it it's nice to hear those memories as you say you know that the cars with the scarves and things like that, because we've not seen that again. And, and the fact that you were able to live it is it's, it's obviously something, and it will never, you'll never lose that. That will stay with you until, 
at forever, which is is a nice thing to to have. It was a lovely thing for a generational perspective because um, my granddad was still alive then. You know, my dad, obviously, mm. me, um, and my son. So my son was only a couple of years old then. Um, so it spanned those four generations, mm. and you know, my son. Daniel, he, he doesn't remember any of it, but I can certainly remember throwing him up and down in the air a few times. But he was um, there. He was there. No, he wasn't, the... he, he wasn't there because he was oh, too right. young. But, but, you know, it's like it spanned that four of generations. Course, yeah. sadly, sadly, two of those are no longer with us. But it was just looking at the faces of people who you'd stood with on a Wednesday night, cold, wet, you know, sometimes 2,000 people down the den, you know, getting hammered, you know. It, it, it was all of that just in one big crescendo of happiness. Um, I felt it a little bit when we got to the AWS final, the auto windscreens, when we just absolutely packed Wembley. But, you know, sadly... We got done by that same team. Um, but um, no, I don't think anything can take that three or four weeks, that Bournemouth, that whole game um, away from any of us that are of a certain age. And picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, obviously, you've probably come across and had lots of stories following the club. You've told that they're of, of Hull and, and Bournemouth. Are those amongst your best? Is there another, perhaps, story that, that tops those? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the playoff finals that we won and lost... Um, Morrison, I mean, absolutely epic, um, you know, because I think, you know, I think Neil worked and the club worked very hard, and I think they continue to work hard to turn the club around. But, you know, just the odd night or the odd game down the den, um, there's been some great times, and people shouldn't ignore those. I mean, it's been some horrid times as well, of course, right? But that's what we do with Millwall fans, right? We we have to roughen the smooth of it all. Um, you know, when it's low, it's low. When it's high, it's high. Um, it, it, there's so many. Uh, I don't want to bore your listeners with it, but I think, I think it was David that was on last week, a week or two ago. And I said he's like a similar age, a little bit older than me. But, you know, I remember that. Sheffield Wednesday going when we were 2 0 down at half time, and the fans were, you know, the supporters were on, on the backs of the players. They were absolutely crap that day. And then we came out and won 4 2. That's, that's what it's about, supporting the all. Absolutely. I think it's, it's important. And I think this is where sometimes, as you say, the, the different in um, perhaps people coming to the den, not your old school. Or your your regulars, but the newer gen, the newer generation or newer people that are coming to the ground don't understand that we're not Man United, Man City. We're not 
going to win every single game and it's not going to be great at times. But there will be moments in time that you'll be on top of the world. There's no better feeling, but there's, you also have to accept that there's times where it's pretty depressing and you, you just have to kind of roll with it until things improve. It, it's got to be one of the most unique football clubs in the world. I mean, I, you know, living overseas, you know, everything out here has got to be premiership or whatever. So when you have those conversations with people, they go, oh, who do you support? You know what I'm going to say. Mm. Um, so you get over that barrier um, and they go, why are you support me? Well, well, they're my local club, right? And my mum and dad and my grandfathers. Um, and that's what, that's where I lose football these days. Um, you know, obviously my Chinese friends where I live, they only see one thing, right? They see the premiership. So they, you know, they go and buy the shirt, blah, blah, blah. Um, and to me, they're fans, they're fans, right? They watch it on TV. Um, for me, I'm a sport. Mm. And, and I think there's a distinct difference between those two. And I mean, obviously, I'll, I'm going to ask a question and then lead on to another one, if I may. Being in China, obviously, the the Premier League, as you said, it is king. Everybody, I would assume, can buy a Man United shirt or a Manchester City shirt, I would imagine, at the moment, as they, they tend to be the, the successful teams. What's the, outside of the typical reputation that the club has, are Millwall, are Millwall known in China? What's the what's the, the thought and feeling of, of people around that, that you speak to? It, it's funny, actually, you say that, because back in 2004, when we got in the cup final, um, suddenly I noticed a few Millwall shirts knocking around in Hong Kong. Um, and, it, you know, it's so typical, right? Mm. That's the way it works with the press. Um, are they known? Yeah, I think most people know them. Um, obviously, I don't support them, but they're known. Um, it's funny you should say any of this because one of, the, one of my best mates is a Chinese lad and he's from New Elton. And his mum and dad have got a couple of takeaways that's quite famous in New Elton. And uh, his nickname's Kato. Um, you remember the Pink Panther films. Mm -hmm. And um, he's Millwall through and through. So, um, you know, he gives it that, all right, all right. Um, and he's a little Chinese lad, which is quite funny. Um, so there's him. And then I've got two other mates in Hong Kong that I know that are from sort of Newcross, Rotherhithe sort of area, uh, or Millwall, but they're not, not Millwall, Millwall, if you know what I mean. Mm. They're not up every, like I was Saturday night, Millwall TV, midnight, I get up at 3am to watch it every week, midweek, with midweek games. They're not, they're not that, but yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of us knocking about. Flying the flag on the other side of the world is always a is always a nice feeling. It sometimes, as you know, and I'm sure our listeners know, a, a topic of conversation, that especially that tends to come up with 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 fellas, is do you like football? Who do you support? It, it's just an easy it's an easy conversation to have. And, and you say Millwall, and you're always met with the take a step back or the, the stupid comments that usually come around. But when you're abroad, sometimes you know it's it's. It's nice to see that the flag's being waved on the other side of the world, and I'm sure, I'm sure, as I say, this it's not, and you're not alone. I think it's it's nice that there's at least somebody or other people around you that have 
an interest in the club or support the club because obviously if that if that wasn't the case and it's just yourself you've got no one to have a rant with or no one to to perhaps you know um even travel do they travel with you back to the uk at all any of the, any of them yeah yeah so so my mate kato came back for the uh sorry my little friend um he came back for a couple of the playoff finals which was quite funny um and like i say his family's quite well known in the Chinese uh, takeaway industry in New Orleans. Um, so, and bless him, he's like, yeah, I'm there. You know, you can get a ticket, I'll be there. Um, and he, you know, he's a bit of a shirt, um, being a foreign football fan. I'm not a shirt, by the way, um, but he was, you know, he was all kitted out, bless And obviously, in terms of the dynamic of being abroad. I know, obviously, we spoke in the week. You, you'd obviously um, were waking up early to watch the Birmingham fixture and and catching yeah. the games on on Lions TV. When maybe from years gone by, following the club away from home, obviously you can't really do that. Perhaps nowadays, any particular away days that stand out? Any particular favourites? I've got favourites and I've got unfavourites. The unfavourite would be many, many, many years ago. I can't remember the year. Um, it would have been in the 70s, but, you know, we piled into the back of a, a mate's car. Uh, we were playing Carlisle away. I think we got as far as the Lake District and found out via the radio that the game had been postponed. Oh. That was pretty, uh, mm. that was pretty like, right. So what did we do as Millwall fans? We drove back down and we went uh, to, to uh, Preston, who were playing, I can't remember who they were playing, but you know, there's a bunch of us turned up as Millwall fans um, and uh, watched the Preston game. But let them know we were there, um, if you know what I mean, if you yeah. know all chance going out. Um, best away days? Um, too many, I mean, you know, it depends. It depends. I, I, I had a few mates that were Coventry fans years ago when they were at Highfield Road and they always looked after us. We went up there. We'd always go up on a Friday night, stay the night, go out, have a few beers in, in Cov, and then go to the game the next day. Um, so thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, you know, I always enjoyed, for some reason, going to Forest, just beautiful ground, you know, to smell a football back in the day. Um, the old baseball ground, uh, Derby. Out the newer grounds I've been to, uh, Emirates is pretty pretty impressive. I've not been to Spurs' new ground, unfortunately. Uh, but then when Millwall were in top flight, I don't think I missed a, an away game. Anfield was pretty spectacular, and we probably should have won that day. Paul Stevens scored. Um, you know, we gave it a real good go at, at Anfield in the first season. Um, yeah, just. And, and different grounds for different reasons. You know, I had a bunch of mates that we used to, um, we also always try and sort of get away early in the morning, find a little pub somewhere in the country, a couple of pints when you could, and then drive that extra 20, 30 miles for the game. Um, you know, I remember going once to Swindon um, and, and pulling up somewhere in, in Wiltshire and found this little country pub couple of beers near Newbury, a uh, few beers, or maybe more than a few. And then, um, you know, on to the game. They were just, that, that, that's what Saturdays was all about, you know. 
And it's also when you say that sometimes with the away games, it's the mem- again the memories that you have with the people that you go with, friends, family. Yeah. You, they, you always. And I don't know about yourself, but with me, I remember when we went to Swindon. Remember when we went to Northampton, and and you remember those stories for different reasons. There's always yeah. something that happens uh, along the way. Um, for before I come on to the current squad and the current situation with the club at the moment, I'm gonna just quickly touch on a couple of opponents um obviously over the years there's been um should we say top tier rivalries mid tier rivalries and 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 um, and teams that like think they're a rivalry with us but they're they're really not um your sort of opponents over the years the, the, the three rivals that you either really enjoy playing or don't look forward to or or, or someone that you just don't particularly like Okay. Um, well, it's, I'm not going to break any barriers here. West Ham, hate them. Um, Palace, I've got a real dislike for Palace. Mm. And that's because I was born in Catford, which, you know, brought up around Catford. You've got Sydenham, Forest Hill. You're going into Palace territory there. Um, yeah. My mum my mum lives in Beckenham. Bless her, she's 83. Um, that's real palace or ground, but a lot of Millwall players live there. Um, so palace. Um, the other one, uh, I get it with Leeds. I do get it. I understand it. Been there both home and away a number of times. Um, I, I kind of laugh at Leeds, to be honest. Um, I've, I've always thought them to be people that just believe they're something that they're not. Um, Teams that have always turned us over, though, teams like yesterday, Wigan, Barnsley, Bradford, oh, just just always, for some reason, have it on us in terms of results, you know. Um, yeah, some of those clubs just irked me because I just know. When Chaps was talking the other night, and he, talked very, he talks very, very sensibly, by the way, and Please pass in my best regards. Um, you know, it, Wigan, just a banana skin for us. Mm. Um, well, what it is about the ground, about the DW Stadium, I don't know what it is about the club uh, because, you know, they're a tiny club. They just have one on us every time. You know, they've, they've, they've upset me a few times. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I can, I can, I can relate to that. Obviously, that you touched on it earlier. The the auto, the auto windscreen shield final. Yeah. I mean, I, I was there. I was uh, seven at the time yeah. of of going, and that was my first experience of I think gen, a genuine heartbreak at a football game. Going to see your team at the national stadium and uh, as a kid, and. Yeah just the feeling of when they scored and it was just sort of like, oh, we're, we're, that's, just, that's not that's not what was supposed to happen. We, we were supposed to win. And, and uh, Wigan have always been a funny club like that. I mean, they beat us at Wembley in the, the semi-final, the FA Cup as well. They they, they 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 are a club. There are Barnsley, you, you touched on as another one, as you say, there's just teams that you, the fixture comes around and you just think, mm, don't, don't fancy this, especially away from home, you don't fancy it. And, as we said yesterday, was another one to the list of of um, of Wigan Wigan woes. Um, touching on the fact that the current squad and the current situation, um, 
at the moment, as I say, at the time of recording, the Lions are currently in sixth spot, but it's not really in our hands. Firstly, in the current team, who would you say is our best player and who would you say is our fav- uh, your favourite player? Best player is a tough one because, do you know, I think one of the problems with our team is we're, we're a utility team. and I think we've mm-hmm. been that for a number of seasons. I think we run such a small squad that we tend to sign players that can play more than one position. And I think when, when it comes to the top end of the division, that, that's been their downfall. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example that, you know, when you sign a centre-forward, you should be signing a centre-forward. Not someone that can play left or right or drop to a 10. We want a centre-forward. Um, so for me, we're a utility team. I think we work exceptionally hard. I think we, you know, on our day, we're, we're so resilient, or we have been. Uh, the squad in depth, though, just doesn't have the quality for me. Um, obvious choice for everybody is going to be Zian Fleming. But for me, I think that, you know, I think he goes missing a lot in games. Out of all the players in the team at the moment, I think the guy, he won't get player of the season, but the guy for me that's worked harder than anybody is Tom Bradshaw. And I'm shocked that Rao took him off yesterday. I'm absolutely shocked. I think Tom Bradshaw, funny enough, going way off subject here, we actually, we've got, I met a mate of mine who was in a pub with his dad outside the ground and I met him up there and they were talking to Tom Bradshaw's parents. They were there yesterday They were, and they were in this pub and they speak very highly of the club. They speak very highly of, of, of Bradshaw's feelings of, of the club and, and, and London because he's he's obviously not from, from the area. He's very settled. And I think Tom gets a, a very rough end of the stick from his manager and the coaching setup because he's asked to do a job that he shouldn't be asked to do essentially and i think you're right i don't think he'll win player of the season but if there was if if player of the season was done on work rate tom bradshaw would walk away with that trophy hands down because he's his commitment and his effort to what he's asked to do is second to none Absolutely second to none. Um, and he, he, you can tell that he his, and his parents, they weren't lying. You can tell he, as much as he probably doesn't want to do the job sometimes, you know, he's basically a battering ram for three centre-backs or, or two centre-backs because he's asked to, to, to chase down long or flick on long balls. But he does it and he's always got a smile on his face. And I think he is someone that's very, very underrated or undervalued in, in, in the squad because he's the striker. You expect him to score goals, but his work rate, does it, it does you know it does you know it, he i think he got the assist yesterday for the goal as well little things yeah. like that that go unnoticed um obviously just, 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 on, just on that yeah. i think the guy i think the guy's given everything right yeah. um and you know you hear, always hear of old millwall supporters and i'm one of them now you know as long as they try you know they you know we'll always love them well, in this case, in this season, for me, that boy has given everything. I mean, yeah. he, I doubt he's got left, a lot left to give. And for me, you know, you asked me who stood out. Um, most people will go for Zian Fleming. 
I'm guessing some will go for Creswell. I think Creswell turned it around nicely. Uh, George Savile, I think, has come into his own more recently. Um, Billy Mitchell obviously deserves a mention. But, you know, when I look back at the season, which we're about to do in a couple of games, and I think about who went out there, who left nothing, nothing on the pitch, it, it's Bradshaw. Absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, as it stands, I think West Brom and Sunderland have just kicked off. Um, if there's a winner in that game, we'll find ourselves outside of the top six for the first time yeah. in quite a while. Um, obviously, if it's a draw, then it, it, we, we remain in on, on goal difference, I think. Do you think the top six is now gone? Is it now, after yesterday's result, was, was that the kind of hammer blow or, or is there still hope for us? Um, Hart says Hart says there's hope uh, because it's such a messed up uh, division. I mean, you know, I'm going to get Hart back on history a little bit here. You know, there are certain seasons where teams like Millwall have a chance, and this was one um, yeah. for whatever reason, right? Um, I think. When we look back, and we will look back, and it might be success, it might not. But I think when we look back, the January transfer window for me was a nightmare and a disaster. I think we went about it all the wrong way. Um, I know the story personally about Phoebe. Anyone that thinks that we should have kept Phoebe, they're having a laugh. Um, he's got injury issues. Best thing that he could have done personally for himself, was take a tax-free football deal in, in Dubai. And by the way, from what I'm reading, he's played one game, scored one goal. So, you know, anyone that says, why is, not, why is a phobie still not here? The Nisbet thing, again, there's stories behind that. Um, but, look, January transfer window, we should have done better. We should have been prepared. We were where we were. We knew what we needed. Um, like I say, it goes back to what I'm saying about Bradshaw. He's been carrying this team. Um, he's a lone striker, which he's not. He's not a hit man. Uh, he's a box-in-the-fox type player. And, um, yeah, that for me is, I think, will be our downfall. I think um, a lot's going to be made come the end of the season. As you say, if we do make the top six, great. Then you know we'll all be we'll all be very happy with that. But if we don't, I think there's certainly a lot. There'll be a lot of questions asked of um, of the club, Rowett, and the, the recruitment side recruitment side of things. Um, I, so think it, I think it will, I think it will be Carlton West Brom. Now, yes, I think it's easy to say that when you look at the table. But I think West Brom, with the games in hand of or, or now, and and on, I think on Tuesday they play or Wednesday, have got a, a, as as good as chance as any. They've hit form at the right time, and Coventry have the goal scorer um, yeah. in Guy Carres, and, and and that's what you need at this level. At, the, at this stage of the season, you need someone who's going to put the ball in the back of the net, and they have it. So it would be very, I think it's very be very brave to bet against. Um, just coming to obviously towards the end, a couple of sort of quirky questions that, that we like to ask. Um, firstly, is there anything, if at all, that you would like to change about the club, past, present or future? 
obviously the um, future is a bit of an interesting one because you don't know that's something that you would like to not happen yeah i'll leave the history as it is right history is history um we are what we are we've come through you know those hundred what is it now nearly 130 years um why why try and change it right you you can't change it so going forward as a club um i'm looking forward to the new training ground i think that's going to be i think one of our one of our um bad points is and I, you know know for a few people a few guys that have nearly signed for us i'm not trying to be big charlie here but you know one of the big turnoffs has been the training facilities uh down at Calman. <clears throat> i think the training ground is going to change the academy uh-huh. uh even though the academy at the moment under 23 is doing exceptionally well um i think new training facilities will maybe attract better player better style of player maybe from the continent i'd like to see a few more continental players um i don't think it's a bad thing but i'd like to go back to a point i made earlier i'd like to see us start signing a few players that are known purely for playing one position and not these utility players you know uh-huh. Look at players like Styles. Oh, he can play right back. Oh, he can play centre midfield. Oh, he can play right wing. Oh, Shackleton midfield. Oh, right back. I, I think as a club, we've got to get bigger than that. We've we, we've got to bring players in that are out and out centre forwards. Crowd might think they're lazy, but that's what they do. They score goals. Um, you know, I, I think back not too many years ago to. Players like Darius Henderson, just a beast of a man, right? Lazy, lazy, right? But when that ball got to him, the right ball, he put it in the net, right? Mm. And I'd, I'd like to see us get away from having this, not so much a small squad, but high, you know, my point here, had we had Jed, Jed was a single player, and we now have Fleming as a single player. And we're too reliant on those one or two single players that we have within the team. I'd like to see us have more of those. And I'd like them to step up. You, I think you might have spoke. You might have listened to me speak before because I absolutely hate the word the words utility footballer. It's one of yep. my bugbears. It's something that drives me absolutely insane. When we sign a player, and the first thing that the manager comes out and says, "Well, he can play in a variety of different positions," and it's like, right, fantastic. So, jack of all trades, master of none, basically. Harris, that's, that's Harris did it. Harris did it. Kenny Jacket did it. Rowett's doing it. Right. So. I don't think it's the manager. I think it's the budget. Mm. It's we can have 23 professionals. So have at least 19 of them that can play multiple positions. Mm. Um, you know, I think this year's dynamic with Jed maybe playing as his true position, which is out wide, Fleming playing a 10. And then you've got Bradshaw, who's a you know, I'd say a fox in a box. That would have been an interesting dynamic this year. And look, it's easy to say that, but I do think we would have been a better team. I think you only have to look at the fact that Jed Wallace is still uh, producing numbers elsewhere. Um, You put him with Fleming and Bradshaw. uh, Look, 
I'm, I'm, you know, nothing's a certainty in football, but I tell you, I think we would have been comfortably in the top six if you had those three as a as a sort of a, a front three. But that's that's it unfortunately is it is what it is. We, we you know, we, we have we have to move on. Um, couple of couple of bits here. So your your favourite all time shirt. I know you said you wasn't a, perhaps a shirter yourself, but any any of the kits that the players sort of or, or over the years that that were were worn that that stick with you. Yeah, um, I like the back in the day is the royal blue sports shirt, which I think uh, back in the day it probably I can't remember what the sponsors were, but. I liked it just the royal blue. Um, I do like the Dundee blue. Um, I also like the white kit back in the day. Uh, we had a bit of a distinction wearing that, but I would like us. It's the 30th anniversary this year, right? Yes, of the Den, yeah. Of the Den. I, I would like us to do something, maybe back away from the Dundee blue. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm not really been a shirter. And in terms of um, finally, I think you touched on earlier that you you um, took some grass from the the old den on on the last day. Uh, any other sort of memorabilia that you have? Is there anything that you've got that that sticks with you, or or, or would it be that that sort of famous grass from the old place? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story. So when we won when we won the uh, when we won the old second division and got promoted, I had a signed shirt that my wife washed. So all the autographs run. Oh, so it kind of said now. Um, so that's a funny moment. Um, but yeah. Um, and the other funny thing was when I moved out here to Asia, um, my wife bless her, she's from the north of England. Um, yeah, pretty much every Christmas I got a Millwall shirt. And I said, I'm not sure, but I never wore them to games. Um, but I always had one. Um and so I acquire a collection and I've been away on a business trip and you've got to remember we're out here, right, in China and um, we live in a gated community. Um, and my wife had been on to me about, you know, how many Millwall shirts I had, even though she had bought them. You know, can you tidy up the wardrobe? And I've been away on a business trip and I came back and the guy on the gate, this little Chinese guy, he doesn't speak a word of English. I pull in the car, driving the car. I kind of look at him like that. And it's got London Borough Lewisham on his shirt. And then like a day later, I pull out and he's got LDDC. My wife had thrown all my Millwall shirts out to the dustman. And right. this, old, this old guy, Chinese guy, no teeth, had picked all my shirts out in the bin. So I had the frustration for about 20 days driving out every morning coming back every night watching this guy wearing Millwall so I used to walk come through the gate go Millwall and he had he had like no clue what I was on about right mm. he just saw it as a cheap bit of clothing. free food free food uh, sort of free uh, free clothing sorry yeah and um, I didn't have the heart I didn't have the heart to tell him those are my shirts so no uh, so I mean obviously in terms of um nowadays do you have do you sort of buy a shirt to, to have with you back to take over to China or any other sort of other, maybe not the shirt or a training top or a, a hoodie or anything like that? Yeah, the, the, my daughters who are in their early 20s now, 
So my family are back in the UK. I'm here on my own now at the moment because um, of the COVID situation. Uh, actually, I've just been back. I was back for Easter. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the West, West Brom game because, <clears throat> excuse me, it was sold out. So my wife and kids are down in Devon. Uh, one of my daughters is in Leeds at uni. Um, but, yeah, the, the girls have started buying me a shirt. So I've got the latest shirt. I've got last, last year's shirt and, um, you know, last year's training shirt. Um, so, yeah, I've got a couple. Keeping, as I said earlier, keeping flying the flag still on, on the other side of the world. And I'm sure mm. that will continue for, for, for many, many years. Um, Leon, it's been fascinating listen, listening to someone who's so passionate about the club, but is, as I say, on the other side of the world. It's been it's been great to to have you on. Thanks for, for giving up your time. Um, obviously, with the time zone as well, it's um, we had obviously pre-planned to do this, but very much appreciative. And, and I, I speak on behalf of other Millwall fans that it's nice to hear that the commitment to, to get up at, at strange times in the morning to continue to, to support the club and also um, to continue your season ticket. So um, any any final any final words for, for, for the show? Yeah, look, keep up the good work, guys. Um, it's a breath of fresh air, that Millwall podcast. Um, you know, I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but I love listening to you guys. I love listening to you chaps. Um, intelligent, younger generation from myself. Um, it's, it, it's really refreshing. And for someone living the other side of the world uh, who is passionate about Millwall, it's my lifeline, right? Uh, the club only put out so much. So love listening to the podcast. Keep up the good work. I will con continue to tune in. And uh, this has been good fun. And um, come on, Mill. Come on the wall. No, as I say, it, it's it's been a pleasure to to record with you. Um, that's that's the end of of this this. Um, who are you with with Leon? As always, uh, this will go out on YouTube. It will also be on all other podcast providers. And uh, if you'd like to get involved, as did Leon, Leon messaged, uh, reached out to the podcast and said that he'd, he'd be interested in doing it. So if you'd like to come on, um, you, you can be interviewed by me or any of the panel. We're, we're more than happy to do it. Um, that's been this small podcast. Who are you with Leon? Thank you very much for your time, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.